All right. Well, hello, everybody. Um, we are starting a new chapter of a new story today uh, on the Instagram poll that North Anchor Abbey by far and away was the most popular choice. So, and as promised, we will start off reading Northanger Abbey by first reading The Mysteries of Udolpho. Why, you might be asking. Um, that is because The Mysteries of Udolpho is highly referenced in Northanger Abbey. Um, so I've been told that it is very convenient uh, to read The Mysteries of Udolpho. Um, aside from that, Mysteries of Udolpho is a really interesting piece of literature um it was the popular form of novels and um, written by a lady called uh Anne Radcliffe and um this was this was popular fiction when Jane Austen was just starting to be a writer herself and she wrote her first book Northanger Abbey um which is a book about books really and this is a book that they talk about a lot in that book. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to read it together. I'm a little intimidated because I've never read this book before. I don't know if I particularly enjoy gothic literature. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to, you know, slam anyone or anything by saying that. It's just that in general, I've read probably very few gothic books I loved Poe, um, did not like Bronte, just gonna say, um, and so I kind of am a little intimidated by Radcliffe, I don't know if it'll fall in the gothic that I like or the gothic that I didn't like, uh, so we'll just have to find out together, um, yeah, so anyway, we're going to start off, we are reading about a orphaned heroine named Emily St. Aubert, um, who finds herself imprisoned in her evil guardian Count Montoni's gloomy medieval fortress in the remote Antipenes. Apennines. Oh, that's another thing I'm after the whole slew of things to learn to pronounce. Terror is the order of the day inside the walls of Udolpho as Emily struggles against Montoni's rapacious schemes and the threat of her own psychological disintegration. Sounds... Sounds like a rip-roaring good time. Sounds great to be reading here in September as we're headed around the corner into that Halloween. So let's go ahead and get started. Mysteries of Udolpho does include some poetry, so you will get to hear bits of poetry. Um, I don't know how I'm going to indicate that, that I'm reading poetry, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on it. So here we go with chapter one. Home is the resort of love, of joy, of peace and plenty, where, supporting and supported, polished friends and dear relations mingle into bliss. Thompson On the pleasant banks of Garonne in the province of Gascony stood, in the year 1584, the chateau of Monsieur Saint-Aubert. From its windows were seen a pastoral landscapes of Guinea, 
and gascony stretching along the river gay with luxuriant woods and vines and plantations of olives to the south of you bounded with the majestic pyrenees whose summits veiled in clouds or exhibiting awful forms seen and lost again as the partial vapours rolled along were sometimes barren and gleamed through the blue tinge of air sometimes frowned with the forests of gloomy pine and stepped downward to their base these tremendous precipices were contrasted by the soft green pastures and woods that hung upon their skirts amid whose flocks and herds and simple cottages the eye after having scaled the cliffs above delighted to repose to the north and to the east the plains of guinea and languedoc yep were lost in the mist of the distance on the west gascony was bounded in the waters of biscay Monsieur St. Aubert loved to wander with his wife and daughter on the margin of the Garonne and listen to the music that floated upon its waves. He had known the life in other forms whose pastoral simplicity, having mingled in the gay and busy scenes of the world, but having flattering portrait of mankind which his heart had delineated in early youth, his experience had too sorrowfully cor corrected yet amidst the changing visions of life his principles remained unshaken his benevolence unchilled and he retired from the multitude more in pity than in anger to scenes of simple nature into the pure delights of literature and the exercise of domestic virtues he was a descendant from the younger branch of an illustrious family and it was designed that the deficiency of its patrimonial patron nominal wealth should be supplied either by a splendid allegiance in marriage or by success in the intrigues of public affairs but st aubert had too nice a sense of honour to fulfil the latter hope and too small a portion of ambition to sacrifice what he called happiness to the attainment of wealth after the death of his father he married a very amiable woman his equal in birth and not his superior in fortune the late monsieur st aubert's liberality or extravagance had so much involved his affairs that his son found it necessary to dispose a part of the family domain after some years of his marriage he sold it to a monsieur Cuncel, brother of his wife and retired and retired to a small estate in gascony where conjugal felicity and a parental duties divided his attention with the treasures of knowledge and the illumination of genius to this spot he had attached been attached from his infancy he had often made excursions to it when a boy and the impressions of delight had given his mind some of the homely kindness of a grey-headed peasant to whom it was entrusted and whose fruit and cream never failed and had not been obliterated by the succeeding circumstances the green pastures along which he had been so often bounded in the exaltation of health and youthful freedom the woods under whose refreshing shade he had first indulged in pensive melancholy which afterwards made a strong feature of his character the wild walks of the mountains the river on whose waves he had floated and in the distant plains which seemingly boundless at his early hopes were never remembered by st aubert but with enthusiasm and regret at length he disengaged himself from the world and retired thither, thither to realize the wish of many years the building as it then stood was merely a summer cottage rendered interesting to a stranger by its neat simplicity or the beauty of the surrounding scene and the considerable additions which were necessary to make a comfortable family residence st aubert had felt every kind of affection for the 
had felt a kind of affection for every part of the fabric which he remembered in his youth and would not suffer a stone of it to be removed so that the new building adapted to the style of the old one formed with it only simple and elegant residence the taste of madame Celine Taubert was conspicu conspicu conspicuous with its internal furnishing where the same chaste simplicity was observable in the furniture and the few ornaments of the apartments that characterized the manners of the inhabitants the library occupied the west side of the chateau and was enriched by a collection of the best books in the ancient and modern languages this room opened into a grove which stood on the brow of a gentle declivity that fell towards the river and tall trees gave it a melancholy and pleasing shade while from the window the eye caught beneath spreading branches the gay and luxuriant landscape stretching to the west and overlooked on the left by the bold precipices of the pyrenees adjoining the library was a greenhouse stood with stored with scare and beautiful plants for one of the amusements of st aubert was the study of botany and among the neighbouring mountains which offered luxurious feasts to the mind of a naturalist he often passed a day in pursuits of his favourite science he sometimes acquainted these little excursions with madame st aubert and frequently with his daughter when the small oyster basket with a small oyster basket to receive plants and another filled with cold refreshments such as the cabin of the shepherd did not afford they wandered among most of the romantic and magnificent scenes nor suffered the charms of nature's lowly children to abstract them from the observance of her stupendous works when weary of sauntering amongst the cliffs that seemed scarcely inaccessible but to the steps of an enthusiast and where no track appeared on the vegetation but what the foot of the izard had left they would seek one of these green recesses which so beautifully adorn ordain or adorn the bosom of these mountains and where under the shade of the lofty larch or cedar they enjoyed their simple repast made sweeter by the cool waters of the stream that crept along the turf and the breath of the wild flowers and aromatic plants that fringed the rocks and inlaid the grass adjoining the eastern side of the greenhouse looking towards the plains of lang i really should learn to pronounce this Languedoc, was a room which emily called hers and which contained her books her drawings her musical instruments and some of her favourite birds and plants here she usually exercised herself in elegant arts cultivated only because they were congenial to her taste and in which native genius assisted by the instructions of monsieur and madame st aubert made her an early proficient the windows of this room were particularly pleasant they descended to the floor opening upon the little lawn that surrounded the house and the eye was led between the groves of almond palm trees flowering ash and myrtle to a distant landscape where the garonne wandered the peasants of this gay climate were often seen in an evening and when the day's labour was done dancing in groups on the margin of the river their sprightly melodies their debonair steps the fanciful figures of their dances with the tasteful and capricious manner in which the girls adjusted their simple dresses gave character to the scene entirely french the front of the chateau which having some southern aspect opened the grandeur of the mountains was occupied by the ground floor by on the ground floor by a rustic hall and two excellent sitting-rooms the first floor for the cottage had no second story and was laid out in bedchambers except for one apartment that opened to a balcony and was generally used as a breakfast-room in the surrounding ground st aubert had made a very tasteful improvement 
yet with such his attachments to objects he had remembered from his boyish days he had in some instances sacrificed taste to sentiment there were two old larches that shaped the building and interrupted the prospect saint aubert had sometimes declared that he believed he should have been weak enough to have wept in their fall in addition to these larches he planted a grove of beech and pine and mountain ash on a lofty terrace formed by the swelling bank of the river rose a plantation of orange lemon and palm trees whose fruit in the coolness of the evening breathed delicious fragrance with these there were mingled a few other trees of uh, a few trees of other species here under the ample shade of a plane tree that spread out its majestic canopy towards the river saint aubert loved to sit in the evenings under the summer with his wife and children watching beneath its foliage the setting sun the mild splendour of the light fading in the distant landscape till the shadows of twilight melted its various features into one tint of sombre grey here too he loved to read and to converse with madame saint aubert or to play with his children resigning himself to the influence of those sweet affections which are ever attendant on the simplicity in nature he had often said while tears of pleasures trembled in his eyes that these were moments infinitely more delightful than any that pass in, in the, amid the brilliant and tumultuous scenes that are courted by the world his heart was occupied it had what can be so rarely said no wish for happiness beyond what it experienced the consciousness of the acting right diffused a serenity over manners which nothing else could impart to a man of moral perceptions like his and which refined his sense of every surrounding blessing the deepest shade of twilight did not send him from his favorite plane tree he loved this soothing hour when the last hints of light die away when the stars one by one tremble through the ether and are reflected on the dark mirror of the waters that hour which above all others inspires the mind with some pensive tenderness and often elevates it into sublime contemplation when the moon shed her soft when the moon shed her soft rays among the foliage he still lingered and his pastoral supper of cream and fruits was often spread beneath it then on the stillness of the night came the song of the nightingale breathing sweetness and awakening melancholy the first interruptions of the happiness he had known since his retirement were the occasions by the death of his two sons he lost them at an age when infantine simplicity is so fascinating and though in consideration to madame st aubert's distress he restrained the expression of his own and endeavoured to bear it as he meant with philosophy he had in truth no philosophy that could render him capable of such loss one daughter was now his only surviving child and while he watched the unfolding in her infant character with anxious fondness he endeavoured with unremitting effort to counteract those traits in her disposition which might hereafter lead her from happiness she had discovered in her early years an uncommon delicacy of mind warm affections and readily benevolence but these but with these was observable a high degree of susceptibility too exquisite to admit a lasting peace as she advanced in youth this sensibility gave a pensive tone to her spirits and a softness to her manner which added grace to beauty and rendered her a very interesting subject to persons of a congenial disposition but st aubert had too much good sense to prefer a charm to virtue and had penetration enough to see that this charm was too dangerous to its possessor to be allowed the character of a blessing he endeavoured therefore to strengthen her mind to in 
near her to habits of self-command, to teach her to reject the first impulse of her feelings, and to look with cool examination on the disappointment he sometimes threw her way, while he instructed her to resist first impressions and acquire that steady dignity of mind that alone can counterbalance the passions and bear us as far as capable with our nature above the reaching circumstances he taught himself a lesson of fortitude for he was often obliged to witness with seeming indifference the tears and struggles which his caution occasioned her in person emily resembled her mother having the same elegant symmetry of form the same delicacy of feature and the same blue eyes full of tender sweetness but lovely as was her person it was the varied expression of her countenance as conversation awakened the nicer emotions of her mind that threw such a captivating grace around her a poem those tenderer tints that shun the careless eye and the world's contagious circle die End poem. St. Aubert cultivated her understanding with the most scrupulous care. He gave her general view of the scientists and an exact acquaintance with every part of elegant literature. He taught her Latin and English, chiefly that she might understand the sublimity of the best poets. She discovered the, in her early years a taste for works of genius, and it was St. Aubert's principle, as well as his inclination, to promote every innocent means of happiness. A well-informed mind, he would say, is the best security against the contag mm, contagion of folly and vice. The vacant mind is ever on the want for relief and ready to plunge into error, to escape from languor of idleness, store it with ideas, teach it the pleasure of thinking, and the temptations of the world without will all be counteracted in the gratifications derived from the world within. Thought and cultivation are necessary necessarily equal to the happiness of a country and city life in the first they prevent the uneasy sensation of idolence and afford a sublime pleasure in the taste they create for the beautiful the grand in the latter they make dissipation less an object of necessity and consequently of interest it was one of emily's earliest pleasures to ramble among the scenes of nature nor was it in the soft nor was it in the soft glowing landscape that she most delighted she loved more the wild wood walks that skirted the mountain and still more the mountain's stupendous recesses where the silence and grandeur of solitude imposed a sacred awe in her heart and lifted her thoughts to the god of heaven and earth which is in all caps by the way in scenes like these she would often linger alone wrapped in melancholy charm till the last gleam of day faded from the west till the lonely sound of the sheep-bell or the distant bark of the watch-dog were all that broke in on the stillness of an evening then the gloom of the woods the trembling of their leaves at intervals in the breeze the bat flittering on the twilight the cottage lights now seen and now lost were circumstances that awakened her mind in into effort and led her into enthusiasm and poetry her favorite walk was to a little fishing-house belonging to saint Bear in a woody glen on the margin of the rivulet that descended from the pyrenees and after foaming around their rocks wound its silent way beneath the shades it reflected above the woods the screen of this glen rose the lofty summits of the pyrenees which often burst boldly on the eye through the glades below sometimes the shattered rock 
face of a rock was only seen crowned with wild shrubs or shepherd's cabin seated on a cliff overshadowed by dark cypress or waving ash emerging from the deep recess of the woods was the glade opened in the distant landscape with the vast rich pastures and vine-covered slopes of gascony gradually declined into the plains and there on the winding shores of the garonne groves and hamlets and villas their outlines softened in the distance melted from the eye into one rich harmonious tint this too was the favorite retreat of saint aubert to which he frequently withdrew from the fervor of, of noon with his wife and his daughter and his books or came at the sweet evening hour to welcome silent dusk or to listen for music of the nightingale sometimes too he brought music of his own and awakened every fairy echo with tenderness accents of his oboe and often had the tones of emily's voice drawn sweetness from the waves over which they trembled it was in one of her excursions on the spot that she observed the following lines written with a pencil on the part of a, a wainscot a sonnet go pencil faithful to thy master's size go till the goddess of the fairy scene when next to her light steps wind these wood walks green whence all his tears his tender sorrows rise ah paint her form her soul illumined eyes the sweet expressions of her pensive face the lightning smile the animated grace the portrait well of lover's voice supplies speaks his heart must speaks all his heart must feel his tongue would say yet ah not all his heart must sadly feel how oft the flower wet silken leaves conceal the drug that steals the vital spark away and who gazes on that angel smile would fear its charm or think it could beguile these lines were not inscribed to any person emily therefore could not apply them to herself though she undoubtedly she was undoubtedly the nymph of these shades having glanced around the little circle of her acquaintance without being detained by a suspicion as to whom they could be addressed she was compelled to rest in uncertainty an uncertainty which would have been more painful to an idle mind than it was to her she had no leisure to suffer that circumstance trifling the first to swell into the importance by quiet remembrance by frequent remembrance the little vanity it had excited for the incertitude which forbade her to presume upon having inspired the sonnet forbade her also to disbelieve it passed away and the incident was removed and dismissed from her thoughts amidst her books and her studies and the exercise of her social charities soon after this period her anxiety was awakened by the indisposition of her father who was attacked by a fever which though not thought to be of a dangerous kind gave a severe shock to his constitution madame st aubert and emily attended him with unremitting care but his recovery was slow and he advanced towards health madame seemed to decline the first scene he visited after he was well enough to take the air was his favourite fishing-house a basket of provisions was sent thither with books and emily's loot for fishing tackle he had no use for he could never find amusement in torturing or destroying after employing himself for about an hour in botanizing dinner was served it was a repast to which gratitude for being again permitted to visit the spot gave sweetness and the family happiness w once more smiled beneath the shades 
Monsieur Saint-Aubert conversed with useful, usual cheerfulness. Every object delighted in his senses. The refreshing pleasure of the first view of nature, after the pain of illness and the confinement of the sick chamber, is above all the conceptions, as well as descriptions, of those of health. The green woods and pastures, the flowery turf, the blue concave of the heavens, the balmy air, the murmur of the limpid stream, and even the hum of every little insect of the shade, seem to revive revify the soul and make mere existence bliss madame st aubert reanimated by the cheerfulness and recovery of her husband was no longer sensible of the indisposition which had lately oppressed her and as she sauntered among the woodwalks of this romantic glen conversed with him and with her daughter she often looked at them alternately with degrees of tenderness that filled her eyes with tears st aubert observed this more than once and gently reproved her for the emotion but she could only smile clasp his hand and that of emily and weep the more he felt the tender enthusiasm stealing upon himself in a degree which became almost painful his features presumed a serious air for he could not forbear secretly sighing perhaps i shall some time look back at these moments as to the summit of my happiness with hopeless regret but let me not misuse them in useless anticipation let me hope i shall not live to mourn the loss of those who are dearer to me than life to re relieve or to perhaps to indulge the pensive temper of his mind he bade emily to fetch the lute she knew how to touch with such sweet path pathos as she drew near the fishing-house she was surprised to hear the tones of the instrument which were awakened by the hand of taste and uttered a plaintive air whose exquisite melody engaged her attention she listened in profound silence afraid to move from the spot lest the sound of her footsteps should occasion her to lose a note of music or disturb the musician everything without the building was still no person appeared she continued to listen till timidity succeeding to her surprise and delight a timidity increased by a remembrance of the penciled line she had formerly seen and she hesitated whether to proceed or to return while she paused the music ceased and after a momentary hesitation she recollected courage to advance to the fishing-house which she entered with faltering steps and found unoccupied her lute lay on the table everything seemed undisturbed and she began to believe it was another instrument she heard till she remembered that when she followed monsieur and madame aubert from this spot her lute was left on a window-seat she felt alarmed yet she knew not wherefore the gloom melancholy of the evening and the profound stillness of the place interrupted her only by the light trembling of leaves heightened her fanciful expressions and she was desirous of quitting the building but perceived herself to grow faint and sat down as she tried to recover herself the penciled lines on the wainscot met her eye and she started as if she had seen a stranger but endeavouring to conquer the tremor of her spirits rose and went to the window to the lines before noticed she now perceived that others were added within her name appeared though no longer suffered to doubt they were addressed to herself she was as ignorant as before by whom they could be written while she mused she thought she heard the sound of a step without the building and again alarmed she caught up her lute and hurried away Monsieur and Madame St. Aubert she found in the little path that wound along the sides of the glen. Having reached the summit, shadowed by palm trees and overlooking the valleys and plains of Gascony, they seated themselves on the turf, 
and while their eyes wandered of the glorious scene they inhaled the sweet breath of flowers and herbs and enriched grass emily played and sung several of their favorite airs with the delicacy of expression in which she most excelled i'm going to stop there because we're getting long so we're going to pause in the middle of chapter one Okay, well, I was thinking we could meet, finish chapter one. There isn't that much left, but I was like, oh, this is going to get long. I'm going to have to decide, and you guys can help let me know. Would you rather it's a long podcast and you can just listen to parts of it, or do you want me to actually break it up into multiple podcasts? You let me know what works better for you. Um, so far, it couldn't be more different than Jane Austen. I mean, all these scene descriptions. Oh, my goodness. That is so... I mean, that alone is so different. Like, Jane is very brief in her scene descriptions. Um, especially the three books that we've already read on the podcast. Two books? Three, two books. It's just Sense and Sensibility and Persuasion so far. Um, both of those are pretty brief. And this is quite wordy so far. So that's very different. Um... So, yeah, and then we've already had a spooky thing happen, and we already are very much romanticizing um, what, oh, and I'm going to date myself, in my days was called being emo. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but we've definitely set up for tragedy, so that'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, yeah, how are you guys feeling? It's... Um, it's more wordy, less conversation-y, which I know can make a podcast hard to listen to. Um, did I just say podcast? Probably. Ugh. Anyway, let me know what you guys are thinking, how you're liking it. Um, we only have 500 more pages to go, so that that is something. All right. Uh, Till next time, then. <laughs>